Good morning. I heard that good morning too. It's good to have everyone here this morning, whether you're a first-time guest or you've been here for many years, we're glad you're here and we hope you brought your Bibles because we're going to dive into it today. Well, 2014 was a great year for Holly and for me. We celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary this past summer. Uh, I know you're thinking 10 years, there's no way you could be married 10 years, right? But we, we've been married 10 years. We had our third baby, Brooklyn, born to us. And best of all, we got to move back to the great state of Texas and join you all in serving this congregation. So it's been a great year and we're excited to see what 2015 has to bring. Today, I, I want to talk about uh, this past year at Greenville Oaks, but I also want to talk forward to what's ahead in the year to come, because I'm really excited about the, the days ahead and what God's going to do uh, among us. Let's begin with a prayer, and then we'll, we'll look into God's Word a little bit. God, we thank you so much for giving us your Word, your Bible. Some of us are starting on reading plans this year. Some of us are starting uh, trying to get in better health. God, all these things are important. They're part of what you've called us to do, but I pray you'd speak to us this morning out of your word. I pray that you'd implant in us a vision, God, that would lead us forward as a congregation with excitement. This morning, God, I pray you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts and in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, our mission here at Greenville Oaks is to seek all who need Jesus and together become his fully devoted followers. And that's not a unique mission to our church alone, right? Any church mission should be broad enough that any church should be about it. It's the vision that's more specific, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But that mission comes from Matthew, the 28th chapter. If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is uh, about to ascend back to God. And, and this, this is the, what he has to say. It's his last words uh, in, in, the, in the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is where that mission comes from. God calls us to make disciples. That's what our calling and our task is. And it's him in the end who brings the growth. But we're called to plant seeds and water toward the end of making them disciples of Jesus Christ. And that starts with us, doesn't it? That we have to become disciples before we can ask others to join us in that process of discipleship. Asking the Holy Spirit to form in us what the Holy Spirit only can do. So our mission is partly this. It's unique to really the Christian church, right? All of us together are called to this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're called to make disciples. You're called to become a disciple. But there's another way we've said this mission, because it's a little hard to remember all those words I just said, and that is that we're, we're about a church about loving God, loving people, and serving others. Again, a mission that a lot of churches could say, because that comes from the great commandments that Jesus gave earlier in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 22, beginning in verse, get this right, verse 37. So Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So when we talk about uh, being a church that loves God, loves people, and serves others, it comes from the great commission, the great commandments that Jesus says, this is what you're to be about. And so that's our mission as a church. And that's what we're going to be about in 2015. But I want to talk in more specifics about what a vision might look like for us to do that in specific ways in Allen and in Collin County in the year to come. Well, within 400 years of the church's beginnings, they make quite a few strides when it comes to their mission that Jesus had given to them. They started out as a persecuted minority. They were living in the midst of a Roman empire where everyone claimed that Caesar was Lord, but their claim over and over again was Jesus is Lord. So they make this claim over and over again against the Roman empire. And eventually, a couple hundred years later, the end of the fourth century, the, the Roman Empire starts to come around and actually declares Christianity as the main religion of the entire empire. And if you're a Christian who is persecuted, this is what you would have wanted for your kids and their grandkids, right? That eventually one day they'd be able to worship in freedom. They'd be able to have a building to worship in. They wouldn't have to hide and be afraid of, 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 of persecution coming their way. So it looked like all good things, right, when this came along. But there were some negatives that came along with this. Now the positives, uh, I think a lot of the reason this happened was because of the unique characteristics of those Christians in the early centuries. They lived a countercultural lifestyle. They loved their enemies. They prayed for those who even persecuted them. And we see through the story of Acts, they care for people in unique ways, in their own community, yes, but also those around them. Many historians in that period talk about the unique way that the Christians cared for people, especially during some pretty big plagues that happened in that time. In fact, Rodney Stark is a, a, Christ, a, a historian who talks about how uh, the empire rose or, or, or Christianity rose in the midst of this empire. And he talks about how it was care for, for children. It was care for orphans. It was care for those who were in all kinds of trouble during those plagues. The Christians went into the trouble and helped while others were running away from the trouble. And it made a huge impact on all those who were around them. And while this was a good thing that persecution started to stop, it was also a struggle for the church after that. Because, you see, once the church started and it became a state-run church, then everyone was a Christian just by being born. Because people would be baptized as infants into the state church. It was kind of the way that citizenship was kept track of, right? You were baptized as an infant and you became a citizen of the state. In fact, this was a huge problem later on when the Anabaptists started to adult, uh, uh, baptize adults later on. Because then what do you do about this citizenship when that's been the way you've gathered citizens and given out birth certificates was them getting baptized as infants? So this has created a huge struggle later on, but it was a struggle for the early church to maintain their identity. And the church lost its course, I think, for a while. Partly because everyone was a Christian and they were kind of an island to themselves. And the question then is, who do you seek to convert? Who are the people that you're sharing the good news with when everyone is a Christian at birth? Maybe there's some foreign lands far off that you can go to where they haven't heard about this. Maybe you go and join in a crusade, right? They were promised some things with that. But the church lost its way in the midst of this because when everyone's a Christian, well, there are very few Christians in a sense too, aren't there? Because it's just kind of the milieu. It's just kind of the culture. It's the way you grow up. And in some ways, the church in America has experienced a similar trajectory. Starting as a Christian nation, in some ways, as some would describe. But in the midst of that, we thought all of our neighbors were going to church. In fact, you probably grew up in communities, many of you, where everyone on your street seemed to go to church. And yet, you probably woke up, and on your street, probably just a few people going this morning, right? 
Things have changed in our culture, in our nation. And as we look around us, we wonder, how did things turn so quickly? Who do you seek to convert when everyone's a Christian? Well, now we don't have that struggle anymore, do we? Plenty of people need to hear the good news. And the church got comfortable. The church lost its mission. In effect, the church became like an island. Which brings me to an island nation or province, I guess I'll tell you about this morning. It's Prince Edward Island. Have any of you been to Prince Edward Island? Nobody in first service either. I guess it's not a vacation destination. But Prince Edward Island is on the east coast of Canada. It's just off the coast. It sits nine miles from mainland Canada, but it and a few other islands are their own province, actually. And this island was just kind of this place where people grew up with peace and serenity. There weren't the outside influences of the mainland coming in to this island uh, province. It was just kind of out there on its own, and people loved that about it. But eventually, people decided, we need to build a bridge across those nine miles of water. And it didn't happen until 1997, of all things. It took that long before they decided to build this bridge. You can see the bridge there. And this bridge cost almost a billion dollars to build. Pretty significant decision to make this. But the people there in Prince Edward Island, many of them will tell you it cost a lot more than one billion dollars because it cost them the serenity and the calm and the peace of living away from the hustle and bustle of the mainland. Because then all of a sudden these tourists started to come and businesses started to open up. And it wasn't quite the place they'd grown to love centuries ago, the way of life they'd known for so long. A bridge can change a lot of things. In fact, it changed everything for this province. And over the past few decades, the church has undergone a similar construction project. For years in America, the church lived as an island without a bridge. Think about it. When we talked about missions or mission, what what were we talking about for many years? Often we were talking about going overseas with the good news of Jesus Christ. Because after all, this was a Christian nation, and there are other tribes who hadn't heard the good news. And so, of course, we go to tell the good news to those people. That's the Great Commission. So many of us went on short-term mission trips, or we sent missionaries overseas, and they would go to pagan lands and share the message of good news with those who hadn't heard it. All the while that we were doing that, our own nation was becoming one of the largest mission fields in the world. We were like uh, an island without bridges connecting us with our own community. All of our bridges, it seemed, were overseas. Now, don't, let, don't hear me this morning as saying we don't need to go overseas. That is still the commission of Christians, and our calling is to go throughout the world. But if we're not doing it at home, eventually this is going to erode, and we're going to have no base to send mission from. So mission was done in Africa and South America, and church was done in America. And then we look around us and we wonder, how did things turn so quickly? How did we become so disconnected with our neighbors and friends? And I think we are coming into a time where the church has to learn to build bridges again in our own communities. Now, building bridges is not a new idea. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, you see God building bridges with his his people. You see him coming down with Jacob and he, he has a wrestling match with him or a man of God does and you know, he walks with a limp the rest of his life because he's trying to communicate with his people. God comes down and he, he gives the Ten Commandments to his people. He, it's a bridge he's building to let them know the way of life he wants them to live. He comes down and he builds bridges through the prophets and messengers that brought messages to the people of God. He builds a bridge, most significantly maybe, in the Old Testament through the tabernacle. He is there in the midst of his own people. 
separated. The Holy of Holies is there in the middle, but still a bridge trying to be built. The temple is built, but the greatest bridge that God's ever built came in a story we talked about this last season in Christmas. And I want to read from John 3, verse 16, probably a verse many of you have memorized. In fact, I remember seeing this on posters behind, uh, you know, the, the end zones. You remember those John three sixteen posters that were always up at baseball? I don't, I don't see those anymore. But this is one of those verses that I remember memorizing as a kid early on. And I think it's so significant for us understanding the bridges that we're called to build in our world. It says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, let's break this passage down for just a moment, right? The first part, for God so loved the world. We need to just stop there for a moment and soak that in. Because for many of us, the world has become enemy territory. The world has been something to kind of put at at arm's length. The world has been something that we're supposed to despise, almost hate. We almost turn ourselves against the world. But what does God do? God says, I love the world. I, I love the world. And at times, it's, it's okay to distance ourselves from the world. There are times where we need to step away from influences to, to get our bearings and, and understand what discipleship looks like. But it is always a calling of Christians to enter back into the world and to love the world as God loves the world. So what did God do because he loved the world that much? Well, he gave his one and only son. So when God loves something, what does he do? He gives something as a result. He builds a bridge. He sends his son into the world to make a difference, to change our lives, and to change our trajectory for eternity. But God doesn't condemn the world as we often do. See, as churches, we're called to build bridges, but often I see as burning bridges more often. That we try to do everything we can to make sure we're not associated with certain things, but God wants us to build bridges at the same time, not bridges that just kind of equate us with who the world is. We're called to live distinct lives. But nonetheless, we're to call, called to live into the world, to have connections and bridges that connect us with people who don't know Jesus. And that's what it says in verse 17, if you read after verse 16. So, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We're not called to condemn the world. We are called to build bridges to the world. One of the most iconic bridges that most of you can probably imagine is, is the Brooklyn Bridge. In fact, I have a picture of it right here. That's our daughter, by the way. That's the perk about being a preacher. You get to show her off every now and again, right? This is, she was four months old. This was our 10-year anniversary trip we took before coming here this last summer. And we went to New York, and we went right across the bridge to Brooklyn. So this is Brooklyn in Brooklyn. We have this on our wall, actually. And we didn't name her after Brooklyn, but we love this city, and we love this bridge. And it's interesting, the story behind all this. When you look more at the story of the Brooklyn Bridge... Uh, it's pretty astounding achievement for what happened in the 19th century to make this happen. John Roebling, this is not a picture of the Brooklyn Bridge, unfortunately, but you get the picture with the skyline. John Roebling set out to build this bridge. For decades, they've been talking about trying to span this gap between Manhattan and the growing city of New York and Brooklyn, and yet it hadn't happened. They could travel over by water, but that takes a lot longer. Now think back a few hundred years, right, and think about just the, the challenge of getting over a river. Think about, you know, we have three kids, two of us. We can't even wrangle them in a, you know, grocery store. But talk about crossing a river with them, right? I mean, that, that's a challenge. So when you're able to build bridges, it changes everything about commerce. It changes everything about the number of people who die trying to cross. Think about all the people on the frontier moving out toward Oregon to the West Coast for the gold rush. who crossed the Mississippi and crossed other rivers. That was a huge thing for them to do that. Well, in the 19th century, they start building bridges, 
The bridges had been there a long, long time before, but, but this is a whole new level where they can be much more secure. So John Roebling, a guy who built a bridge above Niagara Falls a, a couple hundred feet upriver, he built several important bridges. He built the Brooklyn Bridge, and it took him over a decade to do this. A decade. And he actually ended up dying before the bridge was completed. He had some kind of accident and got tetanus in his foot and passed away. His son had to take over the project. And his son got sick in the midst of this. So he had to sit in his bedroom in Brooklyn and oversee the project from his bed while his wife was the one who was kind of the contractor taking things out uh, in the midst of it. This bridge cost them $15 million, an incredible amount. that would have been closer to about $320 million today. Now, this was the largest suspension bridge that had ever been imagined, almost twice as long as any suspension bridge at the time, the Brooklyn Bridge was. It's, uh, at the time it was built, it was the uh, lar- tallest structure in the Western Hemisphere. And there were people who weren't sure about crossing it, so what they decided to do was uh, Barnum and his circus brought his elephants, and they actually walked across the bridge, the elephants, to prove to everyone it's safe to cross the bridge. Pretty good deal, right? But this bridge did all kinds of good, right? It connected these cities, and now you see millions of people a year crossing across the Brooklyn Bridge like we did earlier this year. See, we want to become a church that's like the Brooklyn Bridge. There there are places right now that people who don't know Jesus, and what we want to do is connect Jesus with these people, and what we're going to have to do is be a church that spans that gap and acts as a bridge on behalf of these people. And I'm wondering if that's a vision for 2015 that we could grab onto. That we're going to be a people who build bridges. And that happens in several ways. Right? One of those ways is we want to build bridges between us and God. Now the truth is that bridge has already been built, right? We don't build that bridge. God has already laid that bridge down, but we need to cross that bridge a little more often this year. So some of you made plans already to, to, to have a devotional time that you started up again. Or maybe, uh, who knows what your plan is to connect with God. Maybe you're going to read Scripture through for the first time. But we want to challenge you as a church to build bridges between you and God, to cross the bridge that he has built, because he wants to communicate with you. He wants a relationship with you. The second bridge we want to build is a bridge between one another. As a church grows in size, as this church has done over the last decade, it changes the way you interact in a church because years ago you could all get in one room and you would know one another and now you come in and there's two services and you feel like you don't even know who all these new faces are. You're scared to say hi and how long have you been here and they've been here 20 years, you know? And so you get to know these new people and it's exciting but it's harder to connect in relationships. And so I really want to challenge us this year. If you're not a part of a connecting point group, consider becoming a part of a group this year. There are people around this room that can tell you about how that's made a huge difference in their lives. So we need to build bridges with God. We need to connect on that bridge with God, but we need to connect with one another. We have some ideas about how that might happen this next year. The third bridge we want to talk about is a bridge between us and the community. That just as there's people who don't know God in our community, and here's Jesus wanting to get to know them, let's, how can we lay down bridges and lay down work to build those relationships and make that happen? I'm excited to dream about the possibilities of what that might look like. Now, our mission remains the same at Greenville Oaks in 2015, to love God, to love people, and serve others. But this is the vision I want to lay out before you is for this year. Is how can we build bridges? How can we be engineers and people who put things on the ground to get more people in contact with Jesus and make more bridges with one another and connect more with God this year? Well, in 2014, Greenville Oaks accomplished some great things. The Faith at Home Center and the Faith at Home Initiative has made differences in our families, the number of resources that have been picked up, and we look forward to more focuses like prayer at home 
where we'll be able to engage as families and as a church community to connect with Jesus and connect our kids to that story. We have more connecting point groups than ever before with more people in them. Mission Collin County was a great thing this year. Before I got here, you all built a house for somebody this year. Right, Masai and her family are now living in a house because of this church that decided they were gonna, you were going to get together and build a house for someone. I think that's great, what we can do through Habitat, Humanity, and other things. But our vision for 2015 is to do the same thing again. It's to build more bridges. And there's lots of bridges that we have laid out to build or we need to maybe do some construction on again. But there's four I want to talk about this morning that I hope will excite you about what's to come in 2015. One of those is... Uh, something that's going to be going up all throughout the year to the east of us on our property. It was given to the Christian Care Center to build a facility for an aging community that continues to grow in Collin County. And when I think about that opportunity, it's an opportunity for us to connect with new people who are moving into our area that are maybe at the final stages of their life, may have a lot to offer when it comes to us and teaching us a lot through all their lived experience. What would it look like for us as a church to build a bridge to the Christian Care Facility behind us? to serve those people, to get to know them as neighbors and friends. It's not just to our east, it's also to our west. There's another uh, retirement facility that's going in as well that we get to connect with. Those are opportunities right around us, people who are moving into our neighborhood. What would it look like for us to build a bridge between us and the Christian Care Center facility? Uh, The second bridge we want to talk about is Celebrate Recovery. We're going to be launching Celebrate Recovery. Our plan is in the fall of 2015. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry focused on recovery for those who deal with any kind of sin or any kind of struggle when it comes to hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry that's designed to help you partner with others to find recovery from whatever struggles you might be going through. And that's going to be a benefit to many in this church community, but it's going to be a benefit to many of our friends and neighbors that may be a first step of connection in this church family. So you may be hearing more about that. Maybe some of you have been through uh, recovery groups before, or you want to find a way to serve in this ministry. There will be opportunities throughout the year. This is another bridge we're building to those who are hurting in our community and hurting in our own church. Another opportunity comes this year with Greenville Oaks Night Out. There's a national night out that people try to push people into their communities to get to know people. We're going to take advantage of this at Greenville Oaks. And what we're going to do, our plan, our hope, is to throw parties in your neighborhoods to get to know neighbors and friends that you don't yet know. To build relationships, not just here at church in our surrounding neighborhood here, but in the neighborhoods you are a part of. When we talk about a church's neighborhood, we often think, well, the streets around us and the apartment complex and our neighbors who are moving in at Christian care. But the truth is the church is spread out throughout the week, all throughout this county and even beyond our county. So what would it look like to see our neighborhood, not just as the neighbors that move in at the end of this year, but would be the neighbors that are in all of your communities and neighborhoods? Just last week, Holly and I decided we've got to get to know our neighbors. If we're going to ask you guys to do this, we better do it, right? So we decided to just take some, some uh, treats over to our neighbors and get to know them and introduce ourselves and get to know what their names are. And that may be hard for some of you that you've been in a neighborhood 20 years and you still don't know their names, you feel like. But what, is, what would it look like for us to build bridges to our neighbors in new ways and to find ways to connect with them? We've got an idea about how we might do that later this year that I'm excited to tell you more about. The last bridge that I want to talk about this morning It was an announcement the elders have made before, but the the plans are more on the ground now. We plan to begin a monthly instrumental worship service uh, beginning on uh, this this summer on Sunday nights. 
Uh, we want to continue to maintain our, our value for acapella worship. That's going to continue to be a value with us for our future. But this is a bridge we are building to connect with new people who are not yet connected to us. And some of our own people that will connect in different ways through that avenue. So on Sunday nights beginning this summer, you can expect to have more information about that service as well. There's a lot of exciting things that are going to happen this next year. Some we haven't even dreamed of. Some that God will, will place in our lap and we don't even know about yet. And I'm excited to partner and journey with each and every one of you as we build bridges this year to our community, to one another, and most importantly, to our God. Amen? Let's pray together as we close our time. God, I thank you so much for people who've had vision to build bridges. That's just kind of a small thing in some ways. It's not a spiritual thing, but it's made a big difference in our world. God, I I sense the calling in this church for us to do the very same thing in our community to do the same thing with one another and reconnect with people that we haven't connected with in a while. So God, for our relationship with you right now, I pray for those who've made commitments and need to make commitments to to be in in, in relationship with you on a more regular basis, to connect with the Spirit several times a day, to to pray uh, unceasingly, God. We pray that you would connect with us, that your Spirit would, would grow us in ways that we don't anticipate, God. Call us into whatever uncomfortable situations you need us to so that we might grow and experience a better relationship with you. God, this morning I also pray for our relationships with one another. I don't know all the stories yet. I'm new to this place, but I know there are probably people in a a group this size that have hurt one another, that have a hard time even talking with one another through the halls. And God, whatever reconciliation needs to happen so that that won't be the case when we come to give our gifts at the altar, would you allow those relationship strongholds and, and problems to cease and reconciliation to occur? And God, however that needs to happen, would you allow that to happen in 2015? God, we pray the same thing for our neighbors. God, would you give us a heart to care for lost people? Would you give us a a heart to care and share the good news to ourselves, God, because we need the good news as much as anyone else. But God, we want to be bridge builders to this world. So God, would you help us design this? Would you help us engineer this? Would you be the one who builds all of this, God? Help us know what we need to do to put nails where they need to go and, and take the next steps to make this a community that knows this is the first place they need to go if they have any need. God, we love this city. We love this county. We want to love your world just as you do. And that means we're going to give to this world when we do that, God. So we thank you so much for Jesus, the son you gave into the world, your son who gave up all things in order to come and be a human and to live among us and to show us what it means to live the kind of life you desire for us to live. We love you, God. We we look forward with anticipation to the year ahead. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Be standing now for our benediction. May you look for those areas of land that are not connected and be connectors. May you be engineers and bridge builders and people who make designs that God will bless throughout the year. May we be a people who build bridges to our community, to one another, and most importantly, to our God. Amen. May we love God, love people, and serve others. Go in peace.